This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 142, and this week for our latest five matches episode, I am very pleased to be joined by returning guest, Jake, a.k.a. Oakgan. Hi, Jake. Hello. How you been doing in the middle of our current hell? Uh, my life is basically unchanged. Uh, I still have to go to work five days a week, so... Oh, oh that's you great. Know. What do you... What do you I, I don't know. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. What do you do that's essential? Uh, I'm in healthcare supply chain, so like I buy, <laughs> I order supplies yeah. for you know clinics and, and hospitals and stuff. Sounds essential. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I feel like I could do it from home, but they disagree. Mm. I mean, I kind of think everybody could do almost everything from home, except like I guess stock shelves and stuff. I mean, you should have heard like some of the stories I was hearing. Uh, Actually, I don't know if I should share this on the air because there's in the voice wrestling Slack. But like people who have jobs that were very, very non-essential, where the the employers were start were trying to keep them on as long as they possibly could until like the fucking government shut down the states. And I'm just like, yeah, wow, uh, capitalism is bad. Who knew? Uh, yeah, thankfully our, <laughs> you know, thankfully my job, the like office people have been encouraged to work from home, but uh, it's not that way everywhere. So. Yeah. I mean, I've been, my job had us working from like pretty much a week or two before New mm-hmm. York officially shut things down. I mean, my boss was really not happy about the idea, but like she was staring down like a full on revolt, basically. Right. <laughs> With everybody like, we do not want to get on the subways anymore. Like, uh-huh. we, we got to fix the work. <laughs> and the original idea, I think, was going to be like some people would come like once a week and that thankfully became nobody coming in because the government shut us all down. But, right. Yeah. Who knows how long that'll last. But, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a big change for me, but, uh, you know, I had to take the positives with the negatives, I guess. Right. But see, for me, it's been surprisingly slow, uh, just because we can't actually get our hands on anything. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so it's not been, it's actually been very boring at work, all things considered. Yeah. My, my, I feel like my my job is kind. Of, I'm kind of a little worried about them going under because mm-hmm. they're a tiny nonprofit and they lost like uh, I think five hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue from our canceling our annual gala. So it's not great, 
but uh, hopefully they pull through. You know, if I'm suddenly unemployed, I won't be surprised. But what can you do? Uh, it's the times you live in, I guess. Yep. But, <laughs> very positive start to the show. But uh, Jake, I know you're a gamer, as they call them on the streets. Um, have you ever played the Yakuza series? Yes, I've played all of them, actually. Uh, except wow. for, like, the weird... They did, like, two, like, samurai-era ones on PS3. I've not played those, but other than those... Wait, did you play the zombie one, even? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, no, I somehow I never touched this series before, because which, like, I don't know, people were shocked on Twitter, because it's like, how have you, of all people, not played <laughs> this series? Mm-hmm. It seems but, pretty up your alley. Yeah, I just started Yakuza 0 this week, and I do feel very stupid for not playing these before, but, you know. I didn't have. I, I also wasn't sitting at home all the time before. So right, right. Yeah. But I don't know. It's very. I, maybe if someone had explained to me what these actually were, I think I probably would have played them much sooner. It's you, like I think the perception is that it's like Japan's answer to Grand Theft Auto or something. And I've never really been super into those games. Hmm. But it's like nothing. It's nothing like that. I mean, it's, no. It's just no. an RPG set in Japan. I mean, and it's like small area. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's very, but it's so much fun. I just got to Osaka. It's just so much fun. Oh, okay. But, uh, Zero certainly, I would probably call it, if not the best one, one of the best ones. I, you certainly start pick, picked a good one to start with. Yeah, it was on sale on PSN, like 20 bucks or something. So if it still is, everybody listening should probably, I mean, if you're listening to Wrestling Omakase, I assume you like <laughs> Japanese shit. So right. you'll probably uh, there's, there's quite it. a bit of good stuff in the, uh, I don't know if it's a, like a Golden Week sale or they're just doing like a Japan favorites sale in the West or whatever they're calling it, but a lot of good things to choose from in there. Yeah. But uh, after this, I guess I'll play Kiwami and then maybe Kiwami 2. But then I don't know what to... Maybe I, I think I might just skip right to 6 because 3, 4, 5, I guess, are just PS3 remasters. So I don't know. Uh, 4 is good. I would recommend 4. Okay. I mean, the thing I really like about it is just being able to run around this fucking city and, like, both play Mahjong and, like, do all this fucking side shit, but then right. also, like, have all these wacky side quests. Like, you have to keep getting dolls out of UFO catcher for this little girl. All of a sudden. Yeah. I did the TV, the TV producer one in Tokyo, which was, like, probably the funniest one. TV but, producer one. So he, he runs one Miracle into- Johnson. Is that that one? No, no, no. So this oh, okay. is he runs he runs into this TV crew that's missing their producer, and they basically make him be the producer for like this like restaurant segment they're shooting, and you know he they they keep asking him to get like they keep using TV lingo to tell him what he needs to get off this table, and he has to pick out what it is. Right. It's really okay. Funny. It is really yeah. It's really funny. The other one that was really funny was in Osaka, where uh, Goro has to be like the the girl's fake boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are good. The localizations are usually pretty good. Um, great time with Yakuza. Yeah, so definitely recommend it. I guess that's all I've been doing. I spent yesterday was my birthday. And I spent probably ten hours ever playing Yakuza series. Okay. So, Happy birthday! Thank you. It's a very very strange birthday. I'm very much a <laughs> go out and go out and do stuff like kind of thing. Like last year. We went to round one in Long Island, which is like this Japanese arcade chain. Uh, and then, like, you know, a year before that, I think we went to Lang City. 
So I don't know. I'm not used to sitting at home doing nothing. But <laughs> That's my bread and butter. So yeah. this not been, <laughs> work aside, this has not been too crazy for me. Yeah. But uh, I've already lost a, I've lost three trips this year already. So probably going to uh, lose a fourth. Yeah, same. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? In the meantime, we have some old wrestling to talk about. Have you been keeping up with any of the empty arena stuff? Like, is that have you been into that? Uh, some stuff. Like, like I watch Dynamite. I, I've seen the odd episode of Raw or SmackDown just to see what that was all about. You know, <laughs> nobody else. Nobody else has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one tuning into the show these days. Um, I talked about this on the air before. I actually know. Friends of mine, uh, who actually I don't know if I talked about the air or not. I know friends of mine who do not watch wrestling. I've never heard of watching wrestling. Who have been tuning into these Raws and SmackDowns because there's nothing <laughs> else on and there's no other sports on. So That's crazy I me. think the, I, well, I, it's crazy to me too. And I tell them, Dan, I can give you some actual good wrestling if you want. But no, he he just he's been watching these shows, I guess, because they're just on and he's so used to watching sports and there's no sports. But like, the more Dan's there are. The worse, because that you know that's my friend's name. The worse that it is for WWE, because the moment any of the four major sports comes back, oh, they're immediately gone. Again. Yeah, yeah. So that if there's a lot, if there's like five hundred thousand of them, that means they've lost even more of the regular viewers than people think. And who the fuck knows if those people are coming back? So uh, there's no way they're coming back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, the, very... like the second I stopped watching. WWE every week, it immediately never mattered to me ever again. And same right. thing with like, uh, like when I stopped watching football, like same, like I have no desire to ever go back. Yeah. I mean, people's habits just change. I mean, yeah. you know, you just get into new habits. So the moment you stop watching, I mean, the one, the promotions that I'm going to be interested in are like, you know, what happens with like New Japan who like completely stopped all this, like do people come back to that? And I, right. I kind of think in my head that New Japan and even like on a lesser scale Ring of Honor, they might be set up really well, you know, because it's like, mm-hmm. like a, they let people miss them all this time. And, you know, they didn't just let people drift away on their own with this empty arena shit. So maybe when they come back, it'll feel like, oh, my God, they're back. And a ton right. of people will come back. Yeah, I think for a lot of like, for like WWE, for example, for a lot of people, it's just like the weekly ritual, you know, yeah. and, and like New Japan isn't that. I mean, they run every week, but it's not like they don't have, you know, it's it's not like a time slot in prime time that everyone's tuning in for every week. So yeah. I, I, they might be better set up that way with fans. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, I, I wonder what they're doing with that new time slot they got on uh, on that satellite network. But uh, like maybe they're just airing old stuff. But it's interesting. I, actually, I could check that because I have the network. So maybe I'll have to remember to do that. Um, but yeah, I'd say... It's a weird time, and like this empty arena. I don't know if you've seen any of the empty arena Puro. I feel like the, uh, the, this, last... I saw the I saw the Stardom one, and that's it. Really, like I don't follow many like Japanese indies, which are kind of the ones mm-hmm. that have been running because they kind of have to. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I caught a little bit of, of Chaco Pro, but it, it's not <laughs> it's not like a regular thing for me. The last the the last few shows have been like I don't know they when they moved to that they moved to the two AW Square in Chiba. And the, the the last three shows, I guess, were Big Japan, 2AW, and All Japan. And I just feel like they were a lot better than the previous empty arena shows that I saw. And I think the venue has a lot to do with it because you see an empty Corican. First of all, 
that's just depressing as shit, you know? Yeah, reminds yeah you, like, I know what it looks like full. <laughs> it certainly yeah. looks bad empty. It, it just reminds you of how, and even Shinkiba like that too, when, when it's empty, it just like reminds you of, you know, how we're in the middle of this fucking virus hell. But like right. an empty, this empty little warehouse, I mean, who fucking cares? It's a little warehouse, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like you're being like, you know, uh, confronted with that reality nonstop. And the sound they make travels a lot better. So like they've all these Japanese wrestlers have figured out that the way to make up for the crowd is to scream and grunt even more than they normally do. And like, you know, Daichi Hashimoto was born for this. To oh, just yeah. like sit there fucking screaming at these art bars. And like it, they really cover up a lot better for the lack of a crowd than they had in previous shows. So yeah, I enjoyed those shows a lot more than I expected. I want to come on and uh recommend listeners check them out if they haven't seen them. Uh, and then DDT is coming back this weekend with like their weekly TV show. I know All Japan has another show on May 5th, so we'll see. I, I'm glad that they're running and there's stuff, there's newer stuff to watch. I still don't feel like they're, I guess, complete enough to do full Omakase episodes on, you know? Like, there's yeah. just not enough to talk about with them. So that's it. I'm gonna keep the format going. And people really seem to love this five matches thing anyway, so it's a know. good format, yeah. It's the best thing I've ever come up with in two minutes of thought, probably. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I it's been so much easier to find guests for this than it ever was <laughs> to find guests to talk about current stuff. So, I, don't, I think listeners like it, too. The listeners have been, uh, I, you know, I got some positive feedback, so we'll see. The one thing I want to tell people now, because people keep asking me on Twitter and especially in the Discord, is we are going to keep this going even after you know, quote, real wrestling or crowds comes back whenever that is. I mean, I think I kind of, you know, the the state of emergency is supposed to end in June now, it sounds like, in Japan. And they are kind of getting it under control, at least better than we are. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's some kind of wrestling with some kind of limited crowds in June or maybe July in Japan. So at that point, we might transition back to doing real shows. But the five matches thing will continue on in some form. Um I mean, I can tell people right now it might be like a Patreon. Like that's something I've been thinking about. So, because I've had the idea for a Patreon for a while, like, just to cover, uh, like do daily coverage of tournaments and stuff. But I had no idea what to put in between the tournaments. But now I have this idea. So, right. yeah. you know, I might. If you want to beg you I'm, to come on, you know, might as well give them an, <laughs> a platform. So it's like, yeah, like maybe, I mean, you know, I'm sure some people aren't going to be interested in paying $5 or whatever, but like, you know, to do a second episode a week, it is going to be a little like, you know, yeah, taxing. So yeah, I mean like, that'll be the idea is to do a five, you know, like a $5 a month Patreon where we do at least one five matches episode every week. Plus, um, you know, like bonus tournament coverage. Plus I might do like anime shit on there or something, uh, you know, whatever the hell else I feel like. And that way I'll use that money to pay, you know, not just the guests on the Patreon, but also the guests on the main show. So that that's basically my idea. If I mean, Japanese streaming like, services and, and, and cable subscriptions are expensive, so yeah, got to pay for it somehow. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, when when we get that's something I might look to roll out whenever we get real shows back, and then I'll occasionally do a five matches episode still on the main feed. So it's like here's what you can uh, expect if you subscribe, that kind of thing. So we'll say if anyone has feedback on that idea, I guess you can let me know on Twitter. Uh, it's at Russell Omakase or the discords. Uh, both links are in the description.
So with that all out of the way, I guess we can get into our five matches for today. Uh, the first one is your first pick, which is T-Hawk versus Akira Tozawa from Dragon Gate on May 9th, 2014. Uh, this was the main event of the Corican Hall show and was a first round match in the King of Gate tournament. Uh, first of all, considering you uploaded this yourself as a private video, you must have really liked it at the time. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I had this uploaded to YouTube for the longest time, but I did, so it, it felt convenient to pick it for this. Yeah, I was going to ask, so I guess you don't... The answer is I don't know. It's been lost to time, I guess. When I was in... I was into Dragon Gate during this period. This was like the one time it was like my number one promotion was probably like 2014, probably most of 2015, like the the Ustream era for them. And I was mm. buying and, and ripping and, and uploading all of uh, all the shows at that point. So I think this is one of like three things that's managed to stay unlisted on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I wonder what when the Ustream era ended. That's a good question. I feel like it did like 2016, right? Something like that. I'm really bad. I can't remember what I did last week, much less <laughs> a couple of years uh, ago. Well, that's, that's fine. But I guess going to, besides the fact that you just had it uploaded, why did you pick this match? I guess either for me or just in general? Um, so like for this, I wanted to do like, I don't know, not like all time classics, you know, just stuff that would be easy to find and watch. Not too long like good to great not five stars just very easily digestible low stakes no story you need to know in advance uh type stuff right and I, that makes I just like this match has always stuck with me in a weird way i just i like it uh this is a really interesting time for dragon gate i mean i so the, like thinking about it before as a guy for coming out I couldn't remember who was in what unit at this point, which is interesting because this this is definitely a time I was watching, you know, almost every show. But and like I can tell you who was in what unit in like 2003 Toriumon off the top of my head, but 2014, I guess it, by this time it became a little bit of a blur for me thinking back at it. Um, but yeah, the millennials are still a thing at this point, which you know I had to look that up and see when they were around. Uh, they were around from July 2013 to August 2015, which is uh, honestly longer than what I guess. I want to guess like one year. Um, That's probably about when I stopped. I think I watched like the Millennials run and was like super into them, and then kind of stopped afterwards. I may I may have seen it through to the end of Jimmy's, but I, I don't really remember. <laughs> so you were a big you were a big Millennials fan. Yes. Yeah, it's like someone like getting into this promotion for the first time. Like here's a unit of people coming in. It was easy to like wrap my head around now when you were while you were watching were you aware of the fact that the fans in japan were not big millennials fans uh i mean like they don't <laughs> i mean they're not they're on monster express certainly they're not the fan favorites yeah i i, I get it but that's fine yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care i, 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 <laughs> I mean look i always thought that they should have gone all the way with the millennials. they would sort of make them a little heelish especially like the t-hawk and ada team but they never went all the way with them as heels, and they always seemed like they were trying to get them over, you know, with the Japanese fans, and the, the fans never took to them. And if it was me booking, I would have, like, I would have loved to see them go full heel and, like, have two simultaneous heel units in, in Dragon Gate for the first time ever, like, going all the way back to, you know, it's, like, the first time since Toriyama, basically. 
So that would have been really interesting, but they didn't. They didn't do it. They just broke them up instead. Um, Tozawa, of course, was in Monster Express, which is a you know a fan favorite unit that was around from 2013 to 2016. Uh, and basic, basically, that I mean, look, it was Shingo. I think Shingo was the official leader, probably, but it was really Tozawa's unit because, like, the, the thing disbands the moment he goes to WWE, basically, like a month before. So, right. I mean, he was like the I think certainly the, the glue holding this together as far as fan favorites go. I mean, I, he's like T Hawk isn't over in this match, but like Tozawa is so over that it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, and you know, I, this this is a good pick, I think, for people who only know Tozawa as like, you know, stereotypical goofy Japanese man. Cause it's like, yeah, this guy used to be fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, oh, he probably yeah. still, he probably he's still, still, he still is the goofy guy in here, but like, I don't know. He's got like fire and heart in a way that he doesn't, that I've seen in WWE. Like I don't watch all of his matches. Certainly. I'm not yeah. watching the two Oh five live G one. They're doing but. <laughs> occasionally. Occasionally people will be like, Oh, Tozawa's was an awesome match. And I'll check it out and be like, I mean, it's good, but uh, if you want to see an awesome Tozawa match, I can recommend you like 50 probably that are way better. Right. Yeah, it's like, not even like special ones. Just like, yeah, hey, this was fourth from the top in the middle of a tour at Corican. <laughs> yeah. Um, so T-Hawk gets a lot of booze. So that's something that was definitely noticeable. Uh, the announcers point at the start, T-Hawk is one third of the Tribal Gate champions at this point with Ada and UT. Uh, I do remember that, that, that team. I remember they held the belt for a while. Yeah, um, I, I want to say they won them at um, Dead or Alive, maybe? Something like that. 2014? Something. Yeah, I think they held them for a long time. Uh, but yeah, and Tozawa was half of the Twin Gate champions with Shingo Takagi, and they would actually go on to lose the belts to Ada and T-Hawk in July of this year, uh, like right after the... Tri- they lost the Triangle Gate, I think like a month after this. But yeah, yeah. Um, the fans, you know, really love Tozawa. They really hate T-Hawk so much that when Tozawa just, like, he grabs these chairs and starts blatantly cheating, and the crowd's just like, yeah, get him! <laughs> like, yeah, this, like... this, this match isn't very... I feel like when, when, like, the critiques of, like, the Dragon Gate style, which I don't want to, like, 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 litigate that or whatever, but this isn't... I don't know. This doesn't have lots of what people would call, like, no-selling or, like, excessive finisher kickouts or whatever, but, like, the, the closest thing you get to, like, the classic sort of Dragon Gate style is you know, Yagi being a complete dunce, you know, <laughs> for the sequence. I don't even know. Tozawa just says, like, hey, and, like, points at Flamita on the floor who's doing nothing, and then he goes to investigate for, like, 30 seconds, which I love yeah. that stuff. I know people hate it, but I love it, that. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny, kind of fun. yeah. <laughs> um, even though they don't like T-Hawk, though, they do love his chops. Because like, he, like, does a chop and then gets a giant, like, uh, one more time in Japanese chant, and he you know does it again. So they did. They liked one thing about Tiok, I guess. Um, it's impressive how yeah. little he does for most of this match too. <laughs> I actually, I wrote, down, a big... I wrote down every move he performed in the first twelve minutes, and it is shoulder tackle, vertical suplex, chop, and pile driver, and that's it. Yeah, and well, he makes it. He makes it work though. I mean, just like as do a, what you're good at. I mean, this is, they're kind of gearing up to push him, and that doesn't work or whatever. But I, you know, they're certainly highlighting his strengths here, which is making faces and chopping people really hard. Yeah, and Tozawa is a great guy, a great opponent for him because he just you know sells his ass off for everything anyway. So, um, but yeah, so like at one point, 
the the ma- the point where the match really like kicks in the high gear is when Tozawa has really had enough of T Hawk shit and he just starts elbowing him in the face as hard as he can. That's awesome. Oh yeah, when he starts uh, no selling the chops out the corner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my overall thoughts of this match was it fucking ruled. Uh, there's, you know, there's two kinds of DG singles matches. I think there's like the crazy 15 to 18 minute sprint and the long 30 minute title match. And this is definitely this was the former, and the former is almost always way better than the latter. Yeah. I mean, there's very few long, there's very few like super long DG title matches I love. You know, it's not just even though I used to watch Dragon Gate a ton, it was never, you know, those are always the matches that I feel like the Dragon Gate fans are like, well, we have to get through this versus like the stuff they really loved. I mean, the only one I can remember having super, super high off the top of my head is uh, this Naruki Doi versus Yamato uh, final gate title match that I went like four and a half on. And I remember everybody else on earth thought I was insane. And so the match was bad. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I might've been alone on that one, but whatever. But yeah, this was like a four and a quarter, just nonstop action match that I really loved. Uh, great pick here, Jake. Yeah, this is one I'd, I'd recommend to any. Like, if you don't watch any of the matches we talk about today, you could you should probably check this one out. Yeah, um, and not to bag on Tihok too much, but the way the crowd completely deflates immediately when he gets the win is pretty funny. And drag Dragon Gate fans are like the best at that because I remember the entire Shingo Takagi open the Dream Gate reign. Every time you pin the guy, there was like literally no reaction. Like, these people do not want to see the people who are not their faves win. And they will not cheer. They will not clap. They just go fucking dead silent. And it's so... It's like my one of my favorite, like, little uh, reactions in all of wrestling. Just, like, they're going crazy. And they're going... It's not like a WWE crowd that's, like, silent the entire fucking night. They're going mental for the match. Like, they're going right. crazy the entire finishing stretch. And the moment it goes one, two, three, just psh, nothing. This is great. Well, yeah, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts on this one? Hmm. I think the guy fox mask look was funny in 2014, and it's very funny in 2020. <laughs> so. There you go. All right. So let's go to my first pick, which was Vader and Bam Bam Vigolo versus Rick and Scott Steiner uh, from New Japan, June 26, 92. Uh, there is, like, no particular reason why I picked this match. You, you gave me your picks first. And you picked Vader, and I was, you know, I was, I, I'd already been scrolling through Rick and Scott Steiner, like New Japan matches, because I thought, like, it would be fun to cover one of those. If we, we did, like, a WCW match last week that could have been in New Japan, that was basically a New Japan style tag mm-hmm. against Sting and Luger. So I was like, well, let's do an actual New Japan Steiner tag. Um, and then you said Vader, and I scrolled through, and I was like, oh, Vader and Bam Bam. Like, I don't even remember this, but it must have been great. Uh, and it, it was, but it definitely wasn't up to the level of the some of the standards, like true New Japan classics. But here's the comedy. Uh, I picked this f- for our show, and sh- the Super J-Cast also picked it for their show next week. They say, uh, having nothing to do with us picking it, they, Joel, to his credit, did produce a tweet with a fan asking for it in like m- early March or something. So... It was complete coincidence, as far as I can tell. So, yes, this 18-year-old tag team match uh, is going to... Oh, no, 28-year-old. What the hell am I talking about? 28-year-old tag team match is going to get a uh, double dose of coverage this week on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. Network. It's, it's a big week for Vader, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think that's mostly just because I thought it would be fun and I don't didn't really remember it. Uh, and, you know, they're... Too, they're 
you know, I don't know if you'd say four all-time legends. I don't know if Rick Steiner really qualifies as a legend, but legendary <laughs> tag team, legendary tag team at least. So I, I think know, Rick Steiner is the best part of this match. He's great. He is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I certainly has a bad he, rap because, like, the late end, that's like the tail end of his like WCW run is so god awful. But eighties, yeah, early nineties, Rick Steiner, no complaints. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, we said the same thing last week about Luger. We're like, you know, the, the end of his. All these WCW guys were just so awful in those last few years that you forget how awesome they they were. At one I'll point. probably say the same thing about Sting in the next, you know, twenty five thirty minutes or so. So, yeah. Uh, so Vader and Bam Bam are the IWGP Tag Champions at this point. Uh, the Steiners are the WCW Tag Champions. Um, this is only for the IWGP titles. Uh, the Steiners would lose the WCW Tag Titles pretty much the moment they get back from Japan uh, on July fifth to the Miracle Violence Connection and be out of the company by November. Uh, Williams and Gordy will be out of the company by the end of 92 as well. So it was a lot of people coming from Japan and going back to Japan. It was a, like 92 WCW is a weird-ass year. Um, only the IWGP titles are on the line here. I just said that already. But um, this is from the Nippon Budokan, with the main event being Ricky Toshi retaining the IWGP title against Masachono. That's not a match I remember either. Um, and then speaking of being out of the company, Vader would wrap up this run in July 92. Uh, he returned only for three more matches in his New Japan history after this. Uh, he faced Inoki on January 4th, 96, of course, which is a pretty famous match. And he made two more appearances in the WrestleLand. Uh, do you remember WrestleLand, Jake, or is that before your time? I have no idea what that is. So it's like this. So in like the mid-aughts, New Japan did these two weird little offshoot brands. One of them was like, I think called, I think lock up. I, I could be getting that wrong because there's been so many uh, fucking Japanese wrestling brands that are like so, sort of shooty, but I think it was called lock up. And that was like basically Ricky Choshu being able to book whatever he wants. And he booked like this, you know, serious pro wrestling brand. And the other one was WrestleLand, which was like Hiroshi Tanahashi's sports entertainment e-brand where they brought in all these wacky gimmicks and colorful characters. And for some reason, Vader made two appearances there in October and November 2006. But those were his last two New Japan appearances, which is uh, quite weird. Um, Bam Bam lasted through October 92, but never returned after that. And I think this, uh, the Steiners would make appearances in New Japan like all the way through their part of their WWE run, I believe. I think they were still going back. I should have looked that up before, and I'm going to check now because I'm curious. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was very, you know, this is these are four guys that, like, two of them will be gone very soon. Uh, and then the other two, you know, I don't, they were never what you call full-timers, even though they did, uh, you know, they, they, they were, like, super. The one thing about this match, and I talked about this on Twitter last night, like, you probably don't love anything. And I just mean the, the, the listener here. As much as new, early 90s New Japan crowds love the fucking Steiner Brothers. Oh god! I mean, uh, even, <laughs> they were... There's a okay. like the the crowd for this match going into it. It feels like I'm trying to think of a comparison, but it definitely has like a like an exhibition kind of like dream match feel, where like it doesn't they don't seem to care who actually wins or what's going on. They just are really excited to watch these two teams wrestle, uh, yeah. and and that holds for the entire match. Right, uh, and, and I, I love were like kind like like the long heat on on Scott. I was a little like i could use a couple more comebacks and cutoffs maybe but like they every single pick out they're there for every near fall i mean they're going yeah, and anytime the Steiners do anything they're, they're going completely nuts especially 
uh, I love before the match that Vader and Bam Bam like hit the ropes and like <laughs> run around and then high five each other. Right. <laughs> it's just yeah. so fucking funny. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, wow. Rick Steiner wrestled a lot in New Japan in the early 2000s. Totally that sounds that. brutal. <laughs> yeah. I'm just checking. I'm checking how long this run lasted. And okay. So 92, they're here through November before they lose the tag titles because they won this match. Um, then they're back in 93 for a couple appearances, and that would have been right in the middle of their uh, WWE run. They appear on January 4th, and they appear again on December 13th. I don't remember when they leave WWE. I think it's like towards the end of 93, right? Something like that. Um, but yeah, and then they go back to New Japan, and they're there a lot in 94. Um, yeah, basically the whole year in 94. And then the, the whole year again in 95. And I think they go back to WCW in 96. But they're still they're still in New Japan a lot in '96, so there you go. So they're they're around a while, and they make another appearance in '97, and then they're gone until uh, 2000 when Rick Rick Steiner versus Randy Savage Wrestling World 2000, mm-hmm. hell of a match. Uh, and then Rick Steiner's there a lot, a lot by himself in 2002, into 2003. So there you go, history of the Steiners. And they made one last appearance for. Uh, oh, I remember this match actually against Giant Bernard and Travis Bernard Tomko. Tomko whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. January fourth, Yeah, there you go. That's Sandstrom and the Steiners. But yeah, the Steiners were so fucking over. And you know, if you've never seen this New Japan run of theirs, I mean, like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna pick some other matches of theirs in the, for this thing because it's like one of my favorite runs of all time. And you know, there's like all, there's that really famous match with uh, Kensuke Sasaki and Hirose Hase that I'm sure people have seen, but like. It is like they 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 were like just doing the most. Um, basically, I, I like they were the young bucks of the early nineties. That's the best way to put it. Like they were doing nothing but fucking. They were doing these incredible tag team spot fests that nobody else was doing, and the the crowd's going nuts. So like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people are gonna really hate me for that comparison, but like, uh, it, it's pretty much the the same kind of thing, except unlike the young bucks, they were actually over in Japan. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Bam back all those people you alienated. Uh, Bam Bam. So he immediately hits an enziguri on Scott Steiner, which the crowd goes fucking crazy for. Um, and then the Steiners come back after being tossed out of the ring by hitting a double clothesline at the top on both men. And then they do their trademark pose. And this crowd, you have never seen a group of people be more excited to watch Rick Steiner bark <laughs> while running in a circle. They are so. <laughs> Excited to watch this barking. Uh, but yeah, then we get like Vader beating up Scott. Rick comes back like this big power slam, this massive German suplex that's awesome. Um, and then there's a spot that I honestly can't tell. If this was a botch, they did such an amazing job covering for it that like. Oh, when, he, when Scott slips off the rope? Yeah. Scott's yeah. at the top rope, but the guys just immediately call a whole new sequence that ends with like this Vader butt splash off a sunset flip. And if that was a botch, that was amazing because it's like they don't miss a fucking beat. And, you know, nowadays if they, they would just fucking repeat the damn spot because that's all that wrestlers need to know how to do now when there's a botch. But like that was amazing. If that and and you could argue it even like plays into the match later when Vader does the same fucking thing and tries a butt splash off a sunset flip and misses. So that's why I was kind of like maybe it wasn't even a botch. But uh, if it was a botch, it was amazing. Um, then we get the Vader and Bam Bam working over Scott for a while, which uh, I wasn't really expecting this to break out into the Southern Tag formula, but it it kind of works because the crowd is still behind Scott. But I agree with your critique that like they could have done a little bit more 
during this whole sequence. Yeah, even just like one like real comeback, and even or even like uh, when he finally gets the tag to Rick, Rick doesn't get much of like a hot tag. I really needed him to just run wild for a lot longer. But, yeah, that's a, that's fair too. Like everything they do looks cool. Like I'm, <laughs> they just should have done more things. Uh, there's a, like a pretty great spot where Scott tries one of his T-bone suplexes, and like Bam Bam just fucking falls on him. And I don't think I've ever seen that like kind of suplex be countered like that. So that was really cool. Um, and then Scott almost kills Vader during the standing Frankensteiner, which was uh, quite the fucking bump. Uh, like right, dropped him right on his head. So, and then Rick gets the hot tag, and he's like a brief house of fire. Uh, but he tries something off the top and gets caught by Bam Bam and dropped with this like nasty fucking hot shot. You do you notice? I feel like yeah, nobody does hot shots. <laughs> nobody does hot shots like this anymore. I feel like maybe it's just like nobody wants to get dropped on their neck on a fucking cable. But like I feel like the, these hot shots in these early '90s matches. There was one last week, I think, in the the Sting Invader tag match or the Sting and Luger tag match. And it's like just no one does these anymore. It's very interesting. Or at least not like this. But uh but yeah, and then we get like the the finish, which maybe you could even argue takes it down a little bit, where like they do a visual pin to protect Bam Bam after the ref gets bumped. Um, you know, he does this like flipping standing senton, which still looks crazy even today for that that you know, his size. And he counts his own pin, but then he kind of turns around and gets caught with an overhead belly to belly by Rick for the pin. Uh so I didn't love the finish, but uh and I, and the match isn't like you know, it's not some all-time classic or anything, but I think it's still a really good match. I still want four stars on it. And it's just really fun to just to see these four guys in the ring together. I mean, these are not four guys that I think, you know, really ever face each other that often, unless I'm forgetting something obvious. But, I think like, I looked this up, and on opposite, they were never, like, in the same match again, I think, is what wow. I said. Yeah, so I mean, so. like... It's such a unique moment in history, basically. They all end up scattered all over wrestling after this. And it's like, just the fact that they all, they got them all together to do this match was pretty crazy. So, you know, it's, I, I think in a way, it doesn't quite live up to maybe what you're expecting for these four names, but it's still an awesome match. Yeah. Like, as part of this, you know, little compilation we've built here, totally fine. Yeah. I don't, do you have any other thoughts on the match? Hmm? Like you said, do you have any other thoughts on the match? Not really. Yeah, the finish being kind of like fluky, you know, it does take it down for me. But you know, everything they did was cool. It's it's four guys, big guys, you beating the shit out of each other. I don't. I assume there was something where like Bam Bam didn't want a job or whatever the fuck. But uh, I, and I, I respect know. it. You know. It, yeah. We need more people not wanting to job. It's I'm not like, going to tell you. Jo- everybody jobs too much now. <laughs> Everybody's just like, yeah. Ah, sure, I'll take that pen. It's like, come on. Kenny Omega with the fucking three minutes of offense for that geek, which made the internet go crazy. Kenny should go out there and tell this geek, eat my fucking V triggers like five in a row and get pinned. Like let's get let's get that kind of selfishness back in wrestling. Uh but let's see. What your second pick, Ken Shamrock versus Sabu, TNA, July twenty-fourth, two thousand two. Uh I'm quite certain I'd never seen this. Uh, this may surprise you, Jake. I was not ordering weekly TNA pay-per-views in 2002. Uh, I actually probably did order like one or two out of pure curiosity. And they were like, they were like 10 bucks, I think. So it's not like, you know, they were breaking the bank. Yeah. I but, think, I think they not, were, Garrett will correct me, but I'm pretty sure they were $10. Yeah. So like, you know, it, 
to like watching the show, you know, like ordering them was no big deal. But then you watched it and you were like, yeah, I don't really need to watch this every week. <laughs> so I don't, I remember seeing like some AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn match. I think that, that one of them convinced me to buy it, you know, cause I was already like, you know, very much a smirk at this point and, you know, watching like, you know, this is like early in my Japanese wrestling viewing and, you know, I wasn't quite going to Ring of Honor yet, but I was about to start going. To, I was going to like Jersey All Pro Wrestling at the time. Okay, so. TNA. Hmm, I I think I was like aware of TNA when they're doing the weekly pay per view stuff, just because I would watch what, Raw or something, and they might have a commercial for it. Uh, but I don't think I actually saw any until probably Fox Sports. Yeah. So this whole era was foreign to me until a, a few years ago. I went back and I, I've seen all the weeklies at this point. Wow. Um, and I think they're, I mean, they're terrible, but they're like watchable up to a certain point. They seem funny bad. From um, probably until like after the first year, maybe like after like week 60 or so, they're like unwatchable. Yeah. They're not what, even like, is that, is that, they're not even like funny that, bad at that point. Is that like when sex is around? I don't know, John. <laughs> well, what happens sex after is around for, Sex is around for forever. I, they just start using guys that are not interesting. I, see. I don't know. Like, if you want, like, a, like David Young and, like, Disco, Glenn Gilberti to get, like, a sustained, not top heel, but, like, wrestles in title matches push, like, that's... Uh, I see. That's no fun. Who the fuck's David... Who the fuck is David Young? I, and some like NWA like wild side guy that other <laughs> wrestling people like. <laughs> I I literally have no idea who that is. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so basically, I just wanted to say I have no idea what's going on here. Um, you know, I know that Shamrock is the champion. This is so apparently I, a sub- I, I will say that I did commentary references sort of ongoing angles, and just out of curiosity, I looked those up. So I, I'll address those as we get to them. Okay, but yeah, this is a submission versus ladder match, which I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And it's for the NWA world title. I think they never explain what that means. I think it means you could win either by submission or by getting the belt off the top. That is correct. Right? Yes, it's both men's specialty match, so no one is at a disadvantage here. But you don't have to win with your specialty because at one point, Samrock goes for the belt. And, and one point Sabu starts doing holds. Sabu spent most of the match trying to like out grapple Ken Shamrock. <laughs> uh, and so I will say this, all, for, I will say this for whoever laid it out though, he does keep trying that and repeatedly gets owned. So that's true. Uh, Sabu gets like a. So I was wondering like who the fuck is the baby face here because they both get boo coming out. So I'm like, the, the crowd just likes neither one of them. They both get like a fair amount of booze. Um, so it's, I mean, Sabu comes out first. He gets booed a little bit. So I'm like, oh, I guess he's the heel. And then Shamrock comes out and also gets booed. And I'm like, so who the fuck is the baby face here? Uh, it's, I, that question I cannot answer. And I doubt <laughs> Vince Russo can answer that either. So <laughs> uh, the announcers, they, I, I'm going to talk a lot about the announcers because they're amazing in this match. Uh, you'll never guess who they spend the entire early portion of it talking about. Do you want to, do you want to guess for me, Jake? Not just the early, because they also sign off talking exclusively about Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yes. I mean, we'll get to that, I guess. But the early portion of the match, they spend the entire early portion talking about Jeff Jarrett. Because um, he promised he'd be out. He, he promised he was leaving with a title tonight. Jeff Jarrett said he would show up and he would take the title. Okay. But uh, that, at that this point, happen. they keep talking about Jarrett and the Shamrock is working over Sabu's leg. Very boring. Uh, and then we get breaking news from Goldilocks backstage. Security 
has left the building. Yes, they're so fed up with what down to with what went down tonight. They've left the building. <laughs> what went they down? Said, they said, is- "Screw it! I hope they kill each other." Okay, so in the weeks leading up to this, Jeff Jarrett has been going crazy and laying out everyone with chairs. Um, and the week before this, he like laid out the whole security team with a chair. And then at this, literally, this pay per view opens with Jeff Jarrett swinging a chair at security guys. Like that's the first thing that happens. And then, uh, by the way, he's a heel, right? Like he's not some Austin baby face. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So then there's like a big brawl backstage and then Shamrock starts beating up security and he throws them all or like gets them to like get, gets them all in like the locker room and then like bars the door. So they're all like trapped. (laughs) Okay. That's, That's the opening of the show. Why? So why is security? So they have, so they have like now walked off the job because of unsafe working conditions. Why is like why are random security guys like a major major characters on this show? Well, I, well, they would eventually have two competing security guard stables in TNA. <laughs> so <laughs> red shirt and black shirt security. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I seriously have no idea what this is about. Is that around this time or is that much later? Uh, it's probably like twenty weeks from now, maybe. Why is security such a big fucking deal in this promotion? Who, who there the were, fuck cares about security? There were competing like GMs, like owners, so they each had their own security enforcers. <laughs> okay, uh, and this and, and that has nothing to do with uh, SEX, Sex, Sports Entertainment Extreme, right? Or did they have their own? Security um, I, I think Sex would have been around. Well, like one would have been aligned with Sex. Yeah, I think. Uh, do you want to explain sex for the listeners? Because we've uh, we brought them up a few times already. Uh, sports Entertainment Extreme. You know, sell <laughs> it out. Explain sex, that's, Jake. That's, that's sex. Yeah. Uh, Vince Russo stable. Yes. And this is this is why Jeff Jarrett turned babyface, right? Because he refuses to join sex. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I think that's right. There's though. so many think... similar... There's so, they've done this angle basically like half a dozen times. So the specifics, <laughs> I don't know them, but I know that things are, happen. Let, let's try to name every heel Sam on TNA. I'm going to try to do it. Sex, that's definitely one. Mm-hmm. Uh, team, I, I guess you could count... Oh, team, I'm saying like every overarching heel Sam. So Sex, Planet Jarrett, right, which had like Team Canada, uh, a bunch of other people. The Kings of Wrestling, who I guess were also part of Planet Jarrett or something. Um, let's keep going. And who what was like uh, there was like the Christian Coalition, the Angle Alliance, uh, <laughs> the main event it? mafia, the main event mafia. I'm just trying to think if there's any between the the, the Coalition oh. Alliance and main event mafia era. I don't think there was main event mafia, uh, Immortal, Fortune, mm-hmm. who was part of Immortal. That's correct. Uh, the Aces, the Aces and Eights, which is the, finally the thing that got me to stop watching TNA because I did watch TNA. Like from the Fox Sports Net era, all the way through the Russo shit, and like which because at least I said this a million times on here, the Russo shit was at least like hilariously bad. Like yeah, every, like it, Monday Night Wars, like through Aces and Eights, I think was pretty funny to watch week to week. I do, I don't regret well, keeping up with that at all. I was talking. I was even talking about like before Monday Night Wars. Like oh, the, okay. that, that's that's like when the, I came back to TNA. But yeah, the the to the back era. Like 2008. Yeah, like 2007, 2006, 2007, 2008. But yeah, the, the, um, 
the, the Monday Night Wars era, I kind of did start checking out, honestly. But, like, Aces Age was, like, the final straw where I'm just like, okay, I, this is unwatchable. Like, I cannot deal with this anymore. So, um... And then, yeah, I, I, like, eight more years of main event Bully Ray all over the world. <laughs> After Aces and Eights is where I don't really know what else, what other heel stables they were. I guess there was, like, a Dixie heel stable, right? I stopped watching. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'd have to get Garrett Kidney on here to tell us all about post Aces Nate's TNA heel stables. But yeah, the point is they really, really loved giant heel stables. They did this a million fucking times. So there you go. Um, Dixieland was the Dixieland Dixie was the heel stable. Okay. <laughs> Dixieland. <laughs> oh my god, what a stupid company! I was at. Um, I think I was at the New York City taping where she goes to the table or whatever, but I left before she went through the table <laughs> because uh, the taping was so boring and bad that we couldn't take it anymore. But yeah, the, the Manhattan Center taping. Anyway, um, by the way, do you know who the other announcers are with Mike Tanay and Don Callis? Is, it's is it's Mike Tanay and Don West, and the third guy is Ed Ferrara, who was... Oh, I said Don Callis. I'm sorry, which I also wrote down in my notes. Don West, obviously. Yeah, yeah. so Ed Ferrara... FRR is a fucking idiot. I mean, I don't know. Also, during this, it's FRR, and he's got dreadlocks. Yeah, I mean, he's fucking terrible. The other today and West are fun, but FRR is fucking awful. I think he threatens to break someone's nose at some point. So, uh, yeah. Then I just have a note here. Some guy yells "boring," and then Sabu goes for an armbar. <laughs> Sabu going for the armbar is really funny. Um. And then there's my favorite commentary part. So as they're doing this really boring mat wrestling, Mike Tanay goes, getting more work for the back. And then there's a long, awkward silence. Like really, really, really long. And finally, either Don West or uh, Ed Farr, one of them just goes, well, what is it? <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like such a long, yeah, weird, I would, awkward I would have long. waited until I finished receiving the message to interrupt. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, I'm getting more work for the back! And then nothing. Just complete dead air. Yeah, also we, around this time, a fan sitting in the front row with their back to the hard cam raises a sign to show that, it, that and the sign says, Lindsay O'Banion gives fellatio for crack. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, is that a wrestler? Is that just some random woman he knows? Oh, good I assume it's yeah, someone they think is watching at home. <laughs> <laughs> Who is so okay? So he knows one of the five thousand people that are ordering these weekly pay per views, and he decided to bring a, a sign about how she gives fellatio for crack. Like it's so oddly specific. This isn't airing on network television, sir. Are you really that sure this woman's going to be watching on uh, weekly pay per view? There's a very good chance that she was not watching. <laughs> you, you do bring up a good point. Um, but yeah, so there's a. Anyway, so the long awkward silence says Ricky Steamboat will be here next week and he will have full authority. He'll be secure. <laughs> the- Security has all quit. So they got Ricky Steamboat to replace all of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the long. I mean, that po- at that point, I was like re- laughing really hard. So that was funny. Um, but yeah, at this point, the match is really just Shamrock alternating between submissions of beating the shit out of Sabu to a dead crowd. I mean, yes. it is 
Sabu at one point goes for a pin, you know, realizes that they aren't legal, slaps on an arm bar, then says, fuck this. And then he starts getting weapons, and they do some brawl outside, and, and Shamrock throws Sabu into one of the caged go-go dancers. I, I just put down Lady Cage. <laughs> That's what it was, a Lady Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally forgot. They had, fuck, so again, if people don't know, they had fucking cages set up next to the stage with a woman dancer in them they would cut to. I'm just like, why are they in a cage? I don't understand. Are they fucking birds? Like, I don't understand. Like, what's going on here? Can they just have dancers without making them fucking cage? I don't understand. Is that like a thing? I guess it's a thing in like clubs, right? Maybe that's why. But I don't know. I, I was not going to, to strip clubs <laughs> in 2003. I was, I, I, I was not, I'd never been to a strip club in my life, so I couldn't tell you. But uh, yeah. But yeah, then, you know, table set up on the outside. Uh, Sabu goes for a big dive, flip dive through it. Shamrock rolls out of the way, eats shit. That was great. And he was like bleeding. Oh, he was bleeding off the lady cage. Um, and then like you know he he does like the the, the legit crazy ass bump to the table when Shamrock rolls out of the way. And we get the great call from Don West. Man, that guy really is suicidal, homicidal, or genocidal. <laughs> I was like, I love Don West. I miss that man so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this stuff is cool. It's just like the first, I, I went back and actually checked the runtime, and I'm pretty sure it was five minutes, but it felt like 50. Like everything yeah, this, before they roll out of the ring. It's like the longest match we watch, but it's, there's, it's probably the shortest. It's like 11 minutes long. Yeah. And it's like, it feels like it's 100. I mean, it, especially all the stuff in the ring, feel it just felt fucking endless. And I just kept looking. I mean, I went back and looked for real to make sure it was only five minutes before they rolled out of the ring. I'm just like, how? Like, how is that possible? Like, I kept double checking. Like, it can't be only five minutes from when they started to when they roll out of the ring for the brawl. But uh, apparently, it was. But yeah, all the stuff after that is kind of cool. And then Shamrock he sets up the ladder and goes for the belt. But then, okay, then some mallet. music hits. No, no, no. You got to oh, set this up yes. correctly. Yeah, this is music hits. The lights go out, okay? Now, Sabu himself used to do this all the time. You expect when the lights come back on, there will be a wrestler in the ring. The lights come back on. Ken Shamrock's still there with his hand on the belt. Could easily pull it down, by the way. And there's still no one in the ring. It, it's like... And then Malik, and then the, belt, rolls in. the belt is, like, unhooked already, too. It's, like, just sort of barely <laughs> hanging on. If he, if he took his hand off it, it might just fall off. And there's no one in the ring, the lights yeah. came back on and there's nobody. Then well, it, Malice rolls in the ring. He just does a, so the lights, the music plays, the lights go out, the lights come back on, no one's there, and then Malice does a normal run in. It's like, yes. what the fuck? Oh, uh, for the viewers, here? for the listeners, no, Malice is the wall from WCW. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yes, yeah, so he finally gets in the ring and gives <laughs> probably the worst choke slam of all time to Ken Shamrock. <laughs> does not get up at all. He just sort of takes a back bump off the ladder. By the way, you've seen another choke stand that we're going to talk about in a second. I guess that one was better. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. And then Malice, cuts, I don't know where the fuck Sabu is in all this, by the way. He just fucking yes, he, he, then he takes the belt and leaves, and the announcers speak as if he has just won the title. Uh, yeah. And they're screaming so, about, what, what is Jeff Jarrett going to do about this? <laughs> Is the last line of the I video. think it's what is Jeff Jarrett going to say about this, but either okay. way. Okay. Yeah. It's like, what is Jeff Jarrett going to say about this? I'm like, this could not be a more perfect encapsulation of TNA. I mean, people used to make fun of Kevin Nash and say he was Poochie, but Jeff Jarrett literally was Poochie. 
at all times in total nonstop action, when Jeff Jarrett was not on the screen, the announcers are like, where's Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> what is Jeff Jarrett going to say about this? <laughs> it's just a, it is a, like, it is not exaggeration. This entire match, they talk about Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, what I would say is like a brilliant sort of subversion of your expectations because, because you think, you know, Jeff Jarrett's going to come out at the end, but no. <laughs> it was malice of the new uh, So, Jake, I'm sorry, but this match fucking sucked. Uh, <laughs> some, some of it was funny, but the early portion, especially, just felt fucking endless. Uh, if I, I was going to rate I it, I would it give it like. Well, let's, let's, I'm sorry? I think it was agented well. <laughs> agented well. I would give it one and a half stars. That is my That's official fine. rating. A bad match, but, but look, a bad match that I'm sure entertained me more than. Like anything that airs on WWE television now, so um, I watched like a ten-minute bad match like four times in a row before I watched like a forty-minute bad match. So, yeah. and that's All why right, this so... match was better than anything on WrestleMania this year. <laughs> I didn't watch WrestleMania. Was it was it that bad? Um, there was like two matches I thought were like actually good, and the rest was you know labored. Breathing in the empty performance center with matches that go too long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just I, I kept thinking about it, and I'm just like, I really have no desire to watch this. Why? Why force myself to watch this just because it's called WrestleMania? I don't understand. So, I yeah, if, if the idea of the boneyard match, I'm sure you've heard, you know, the elevator pitch for that. If that doesn't appeal to you, then don't even bother. Yeah, um, I mean the the mini movie shit. I mean, but, I could not have less interest in that by trying. But like so. Edge Orton was like. 37 minutes of, of brawling backstage. Yeah. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. I, I mean, doesn't that that's the, the Benoit tribute spot match, right? See, yes. I almost did Gargano Champa as one of my matches <laughs> for this, but I did not I, want to watch a long match. So, Jake, I, I appreciate your restraint. Thank you. I, I, I never want to see that match in my entire life. So if you're listening to this and you're on a future episode, I'm going to make Chris fucking pick that. If you fucking pick that, we're gonna fucking fight, okay? I'm gonna fight you somewhere, some, sometime, somewhere. We're gonna fight. Do not make me watch that fucking match, okay? Someone's definitely gonna pick it now, but do not make me watch that fucking match. All right, my pick number two: the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Battle Royal from DET Ultimate Party, November third, twenty nineteen. Now, first of all, I knew I was gonna pick something from DET because you and I had a conversation a while back. Where we were like, we have very similar interests and like taste in wrestling, except I love DDT and you don't watch it. And I don't remember if it's like you I don't remember if you've like never watched it or just watched it a little bit but have no interest. Uh, I catch it sometimes. So for like I rarely catch up on stuff I don't catch live. Um and I don't like staying up until the wee hours of the morning to watch wrestling. So it's it's more just convenience I don't watch it. Um, usually when I watch, I, I kind of enjoy it, right? Like I usually catch mm-hmm. Peter Pan or like one of the bigger shows every year and it's totally fine. Um, I, I watch a lot more Tokyo Joshi Pro just because it you know, comes on at like 10.30 p.m. my time if it's if it's streaming. Yeah. So do you watch, you watch New Japan now, don't you? Like I'll, I'll stay up for like like the Dome. Or like I the G1 finals, or sometimes I'll make a point and say I'm going to watch the whole uh, best of the Super Juniors this year, and I'll, I'll catch that you know the morning after or whatever. But right. by and large, I, I, it's got to be live. Okay, 
but uh but yeah so i don't know if you i don't know if you've seen this or not i guess you can let me know uh it was the third pre-show match from last november's ultimate party one of my favorite iron man battle royals ever uh, i originally meant to pick the peter pan 2016 one but for some reason they so early on they were muting all the music on universe they stopped doing that as you can hear in this match if you watched it on yeah. universe. <laughs> But like for some reason, like the Peter Pan one they uploaded is still muted, which takes away a lot of the comedy for the the music. Um, and I couldn't find the Samurai broadcast version anywhere. I tried really hard. Uh, this one is still a really really good one though. It's just m- much more recent. Um, but yeah, had you seen this already or no? No, like I, I'd seen the Peter Pan one, right? But I, I, I'd not seen this one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I guess what do you think? Uh, so typically. DDT comedy, um, the like the the stuff that requires knowledge of like lore <laughs> or Japanese or whatever, totally falls flat because I usually have to wait for like the DDT English guy to translate for me. But this is mostly like really obvious physical comedy, so I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's probably my favorite one of the last like few years at least. I mean they really went all out with this one. Um, you know, it starts out with a chair winning the title, which is uh, just great. And the, the song is just the, the entrance music gets with some guy singing chair, chair, chair in Japanese, which is awesome. Um, now, here that comes out, were you aware that he sings his own theme song? No, because the early days, so you couldn't tell apart his cover of Tokyo Go from the actual Tokyo Go. Okay, so yeah, I just. So- it's like I don't I, I know a couple people's names in this just because I don't watch DDT, but yeah, I was just, uh, just doing Magnum Tokyo. What's what's going on? So he loves he he just loves the theme song. I don't know. He's not really it's not I mean people think he's doing a Magnum Tokyo gimmick, but he's not doing anything else other than the dance, really. He's just a goofball who loves Tokyo Go. I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, who among us does not love Tokyo Go? Yeah. But uh and, but I don't know. Could you, t- could you, could you tell that was his cover? He totally stole Connor Braxton's gimmick. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was there when he debuted the cover of Tokyo Go because remember, like I said early on in Universe, they were muting everything, and you know they went a long time with like, what are we gonna do with Hirata when we're muting because we can't play Tokyo Go, but uh, you know that's his whole whole gimmick basically. So they they did all this wacky shit where like Shinshiro Takagi and Toruwashi did like an uh, acapella version of (laughs) which is really fucking funny. But yes, they were like, you have to figure something else out. We need a permanent solution. So I'm at this show in Shinjuku face. And this is like my first day in Japan on that 2017 trip. And I'm I'm incredibly jet lagged, very tired, but here's like his music starts playing. The Tokyo Go music starts playing. And then we see a video on the video screen of Hirata in the studio singing. And his singing is somehow so fucking good, the entire fucking Shinjuku face just like is just starts dying with laughter. Like people cannot believe this fucking goofball is doing this good of a job covering the song. And yeah, I mean that I guess that's the comedy that he ends up being doing a great cover. But everybody's expecting it to be fucking terrible. And the fact that it was great made it even funnier. So and he was easily the most engaging performer in this match, start to finish. Um, yeah, everything he but, did was, uh, was funny. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. So he starts fighting with the chair. Uh, the chair takes Dragon Kid's Christo, which the announcers identify as such. Is that like the satellite you know, that... head scissors octopus stretch thing? Yes, and he, the yeah, chair okay. does it. 
Yeah, and I the crowd, and the, the announcers say it too, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not so I, I'm not super familiar with DDT, so I've I've seen a lot, but I haven't seen any of like the you know matches where the chair is a champion. So I didn't know if this was like like a new spot or something, but this was cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, and then out, out next is Yoshihiko, complete with the Undertaker music, which thank God. Uh, and then the look here that gives him just can't. <laughs> when Yoshihiko is the next entrant after he'd been wrestling with a chair uh, is really great. And I can tell you, by the way, if you're they, so those things on the screen in, ja- in Katakana that I assume you can't read, maybe you can read Katakana. You can. Oh no. Let me know. <laughs> okay, so those are like stats. Yes, that's uh, a gimmick. There's like two kind of real ones, and then like usually a joke at the end, right? But Yoshihiko's are completely serious. He gets an 8 for technique, a 9 for power, and a 10 for stamina. So okay. there you go. I guess a 10 for stamina would make sense if you're, you know. I mean, you didn't get pinned. You know, did not pin or submit, yeah. so. Um, but yeah, after Hirata manages to power pop Yoshihiko into the corner, the next entry is Pokotan, which, had, had you seen Pokotan before? I think I saw the debut of Pokotan, maybe. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just like the dumb corporate mascot for DDT, but like as a joke, right? Yeah. Yeah, like it's all over the website when you're signing up for the streaming service. and, and all. So I, I have a question. Is is, is Pokotan a, a Tanuki or the giant balls like incidental to the... No, he's supposed to be like a... Uh, oh, God. A beaver, I think. Okay. So he just yeah. also happens to have giant balls. Yeah, because okay. he's... he's uh, He's produced by Don Choco Dino, so he has, oh, like the okay. well, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so Hirata is in such a state of distress, or facing nothing but crazy things and mascots. He tries to el- like he. I, I forget what he says in Japanese exactly, but it's something like, uh, you know, goodbye everybody. So, and he's like, that's you know, he starts you know he starts leaving, but Pokotan stops him for some reason, which I, I was like, why not let him eliminate himself, buddy? But sure. Um, and then the next entrant, uh, Shota from Gambare, comes out. I'm assuming you've not watched a lot of Gambare. No. <laughs> okay. Like, I've, I've probably assumption. seen more Mina Shirakawa matches than anyone else in this match. But, <laughs> uh, but Shota comes out, and here they yells out, Yes, a human! So he's so happy that finally have another human. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I said not for horny reasons. Oh, not for horny reasons, sure. Yeah, um, and then the dastardly human alliance uh, first uses Yoshihiko to eliminate Pokotan with the big like spinning Rana. Then they turn on Yoshihiko and just fucking toss him out of the ring. Uh, I remember the first time I watched being like shocked by that because Yoshihiko usually goes really far in these things, you know. He's got a ten in stamina, you know, nine in power. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. So it was a it was a big upset. Uh, but yeah, then after that, Yuki Kamifuku comes in next, and she at this point, remember, the chair's champion. It's just like that WrestleMania 2000 hardcore title match battle royale. if you've never seen one of these, where like, you know, first of all, it's pins or over the top rope, Yeah, which I don't know if the WrestleMania 2001 was or not, but this one is. And second of all, if you pin the champion, title changes champion. during a battle royal, not the end of the yeah. battle royal. Yeah. Uh, and Yuki Kamifuku comes in next. She She starts doing a sexy pose on the chair, and, you know, if you've never seen Yuki Kamifuku, she's like, you know, 5'8 and like, you know, uh, kind of like a dancer type, I guess. And, you know, she starts doing like this, like, big leg pose on the chair and she pins the chair. Accidentally. <laughs> they, yeah. The referee counts the pin. Now, first of all, I talked about this last time on the show uh, when we covered this Ultimate Party originally last year. I don't think this is a legal pinfall. 
The chair was on its legs. The chair was on its legs. No, you're right. Yeah. To be pinned, the chair should have been laying flat. So you really gotta really gotta, you know, take issue with that pinfall. Uh, chair was robbed. But anyway, so she becomes the new champion. Uh, then Sagat from Basara comes out. I'm assuming another promotion you're not a big viewer of. Is this the Sandstorm guy? Yes, I think so. No, 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 not Sandstorm. Okay. This is the, the creepy face guy. Oh, okay. Who, oh, okay. Face paint, greasy hair, that guy? Yeah, wants yeah. to wants to touch a boob. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he's unable to attack either girl because of how cute they are. But uh, he eventually does manage to get over it and backslide Kamiyu to become the new champion. Uh, and then Owashi comes out. He's a Sandstorm guy. I love Torawashi. I hope you love Torawashi too, because <laughs> just the faces he makes, his general demeanor, the fact that he's used Sandstorm as his theme song since he was a serious monster hero in Toriumon uh, 18 years ago. I love everything about Torawashi. Oh, yeah. No complaints here, Torawashi. You, you know, Sagat you know, does eventually successfully grab breasts, but they're his, and he doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really he's into, into it. it. Yeah. yeah. That was really funny. Um, but yeah, then everybody starts doing these leg holds, okay? And they form like this circle, which turns out to be the perfect stage for the final entrant, the reigning over 40 champion, uh, gorgeous Matsuno, to start singing. And <laughs> when Matsuno, Matsuno gets in the fucking middle, if you look really closely, I don't know if you saw this, when the camera's like, because the camera's not focused on him, but if you look at Awashi, he is making a face of like disgust and pain at this man about to sing, this man is about to sing, and it's so great. Um, but yeah, he starts singing. Everybody immediately gets up and starts beating him up, but he keeps singing through the entire thing. Uh, Matsuno, he ends up pinning Sagat in a huge pile up, which makes him the new champion, as he continues to sing. And everyone ends up out except for Hirata Matsuno. He's singing the entire time. But uh, this is the only thing where I don't know if you got this joke. So Hirata... He normally has this one-shot KO chop, where he like hits you with this chop to the neck, and Is that everybody the one where he, goes like, down. Followed through and posed, and was shocked at that that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't work because Matsuno's singing is too strong. He's so invincible. while Matsuno, as long as he keeps singing, he's invincible. Yeah. And so Matsuno, while singing, he this goes on for a while. He like does this chop and like just repeatedly so we get like a, re- a reverberating effect while he's singing which is funny but here it hits the ropes runs in and Matsuno while singing gives him a choke slam and Antonio Honda on commentary thinks this is the greatest thing he's ever seen where he yells like choke slam da choke slam da she's like so excited by this choke slam uh, but the moment he stops singing and, go- and goes for the gorgeous superstar elbow, which is, of course, his version of Taiji Ishimori's finisher. Uh, he, like, does the fucking flip into the ropes and everything. And this man, by the way, is 58 years old, if you don't know. Um, he just falls down, and Hirota pins him. I think that's the greatest ending to a professional wrestling match in history, honestly. It's Certainly crazy. so far <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess final thoughts on this incredible match. This is good. This is, this is like a pre-show thing, right? Yeah, it was the last third yeah. and final pre-show. Match. So, like, typically, this is the stuff I wind up seeing on DDT. Like, I rarely see the more serious main event stuff. Uh, this is all I need from DDT right here. It was great. I love this match. Uh, who was your favorite performer if you had to pick one? Was it? Was it? I think you said that already, right? I think you said it. Yeah, yeah, Harada or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, did you see the the, the post match for the sponsor tried to roll him up but failed? 
Yes, I, I did stick around for that. <laughs> that was great. But, uh, there you go, DDT. Definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it. Uh, even if you're not, even like like Jake said, even if you're not normally a DDT viewer, I think you'll enjoy this. I think this one's pretty else. easy to to pick up what's happening. There's like you like you've only really had to explain like two jokes to me. So yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Now we can move on to the fan vote. Um, you put up Sting and Vader from WCW. December 28th, 1992, the King of Cable Finals, uh, which hopefully you can explain to me what the fuck the King of Cable was, because I have no idea. I, I uh, can't. Semi- kind of swooped in. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a semi-main of Starcade 92. The main event was the Battle Bowl. Um, I put up Sabu versus the Sandman from November to Remember 97. Have you ever seen that match or no? I have not. <laughs> so you, the, the voters chose this by a very slim 52 to 48 margin. Uh, once you pick that Sabu match, it made me think of Sabu and Sandman, which is possibly the worst wrestling match of all time. I mean, it's very, very high up there. So I thought it would be funny to watch it with you and see what you thought if you haven't seen it. But like, I might track it down when we're done here. <laughs> they go like 20 minutes and maybe one spot hits. Like every single thing they try is a complete failure. Like the ladders fall down, the tables break before they can break them. It's just an incredible comedy of errors. So, I mean, it's really, really incredibly awful. Um, I remember at the time, even like reading reading stuff. Well, I don't remember at the time. I wasn't watching E7 But like reading stuff about it afterwards, like, you know, going back and reading, like this was like a big dividing match in, I guess, internet wrestling fan at the time, where like the people who loved ECW insisted it was good and everybody else was like what the fuck are you talking about this was like fucking horrendous so i thought it'd be funny to watch it with 2020 eyes i might just force it on some other poor sap uh without putting it to fan vote on a future episode so we'll see but uh it did not the, the voters wanted to see sig invader by a very slim margin i fall to two and two in these fan votes but uh, I guess why'd you pick this and you know go ahead and introduce the match for us? Uh, well, I did the um, the uh, everything elite. They did like a Patreon thing on uh, like War Games matches. I did one of those, and it was one of the ninety one, I think. Anyway, Sting. Uh, I love Sting now, and I, I wanted to see some more Sting. Okay. And this, did, was, I mean, like, and this was like under twenty minutes. You know, fairly well regarded as far as I know, match. So. Now, I will, is this your favorite Sting Invader match or no? Uh, I so I'd seen the the what, the strap match before, but I'd not seen either of the two before it. Strap match is better than this, I think. I don't really, know you disagree with that? I'll let you, you know. disagree. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Sting starts this out by hitting a very awkward looking flip kick uh, on Vader, and Jr. yells, "A great martial arts move by Sting." Yes. I so the- was, I thought it was funny. So that's one that so have you seen their first match? I, I'm I have yeah. Like kind of a squash sort of. That match I love too. So. Okay, yeah, but this is like Sting sort of like pulls this out of his ass for the first time, kind of near the end of that one, and makes a comeback. So he goes right back to it at the start of this one, and yeah. immediately lays out Vader. Yeah. See, now I feel like this match would be. I would like it better if I saw the all the other ones in a row, probably because I'm sure they, they build to each other. But, uh, you know, not that I haven't seen them before. But, like, anyway, I'll get to my final thoughts on it. They have, like, this massive German suplex that looked awesome. And then there's, like, cactus clothesline that sends them both to the floor. That stuff is all really great. Um, 
you know, he gets cut off by, like, uh, he goes for, like, a stinger splash on the floor, which is pretty stupid, honestly, because, like, Vader's up against the steel fence. So your best case is you hit him with your body. The worst case is you crash into steel. You should probably not do the stinger splash on the floor. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a good risk-reward uh, ratio there. Um, but, yeah, that's the transition for Vader to take over. And I don't know, maybe I'm just – it was very slow to me. That's my big critique, and I, I'm I'm probably being a bit, I guess, iconoclastic here because I think this is a really, really well-regarded match. But there was something about it where, like, the hype didn't connect with me on that. Like, being hyped up for it to a great degree, and then actually watching it, it didn't connect with me on that level. It just felt very slow, mm-hmm. especially after I just, I just saw Vader move a lot faster in that New Japan match. Right, so I don't right. know. They, the the beatdown segment, you know, just felt very, very slow. Um, uh, the, the one thing that doesn't work about this match for me at all is like at the beginning, uh, Jr. and Jesse are talking about you know what Sting's strategy going into this, and it was all about how he was gonna rope a dope and outlast Vader, and instead he just like comes out of the gate swinging actually, and then doesn't really do any kind of trying to outlast Vader at all. Yeah, I mean they clearly were going to do a quicker match here, but it doesn't really fit the story. I feel like. And like the story is this is also shorter than their first match too. Yeah, I mean the story is Vader is unstoppable or whatever, and it just feels like Sting. It feels like Sting already kind of figured him out beforehand, and then you know the beatdown that follows really isn't very interesting. And then the comeback, I mean the finish feels like out of nowhere. Like he just power slams Vader, comes off the top rope, and pins him for the win. And again, that and from what I was led to believe was like kind of like a Sting conquering Vader moment, it doesn't really feel like he conquered. Mm-hmm. It feels like he just hit this move and beat him. Yeah. So I think they they have another match, oh God, not, maybe not 93, but maybe 94 or something that I remember liking more than this. So maybe that'd be interesting to go back and compare. Uh, I've, like I've the, watched, the, you know, what ones I can find. I'll, I'll, I'll check that one out. It's like the real final match they have. I don't know if it's like at a some pay for your class of champions or something, but it, but yeah, I don't know. Like this, I mean, it was a good match, but I definitely remember them having matches. I liked a lot more and, you know, it was a little slow for me and I wasn't really feeling it on like a four plus level. So I would go like three and a half on it or something, which I, I imagine is massively low compared to ratings. Cause I looked up some other ratings and stuff and it seems like mm-hmm. most people love this a lot more, but it just, it didn't connect with me on that level. I don't know. what do you think? I'd probably give it like four, four and a quarter if, if I was doing stars. I don't know. I, I like this a lot. This is okay. more. I've also been on like a big sting kick lately too. So, yeah. I mean, I think they definitely had matches that I really, really loved, but uh, I guess this wasn't one of them, or it just wasn't in the mood for it or something. But it didn't. It didn't hit me on that level. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's pretty much it then for all five matches this week. Uh, do you want to go ahead and give me some plugs, Jake? I don't do anything, you know, I kind of just have a Twitter account, uh, at Ogan, you know, if you like what you hear uh, here, I really barely even talk wrestling on the timeline anymore, so <laughs> you're not going to get well, it What is there to talk about, I mean, at this point? I rarely I'm, post. I'm, I'm, I'm all yeah. DMs now. All DMs. Uh, in the meantime, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, wrestling, of course, for not fit. That's the place you would go if you want to vote in the next fan poll. So, again, if you really want to see Sabu and Sam Man and you're mad, uh, you know, th- your vote counts in our poll. I mean, every single poll, other than I, I, I guess Chris beat me by a bigger margin. I think that was like 
57 43 or something but the other three polls are like 51 49 52 48 52 48 i mean these polls have been super close so unlike in uh many other elections your vote matters so definitely go to the Russell omakase twitter account i got a snort laugh out of my girlfriend for that line so thank you one audience of one enjoyed it but yes Russell omakase twitter account vote in next week's poll next week uh, and the polls by the way go up monday so if you're listening to this i record this saturday uh, the episode goes will, will go up Saturday whenever uh, Richard Joe get to uploading it, and then you know the I go through the, the the next poll on Monday. The poll lasts for two days, so it ends by Wednesday. So yeah, if whenever you're listening to this, you have like until from Monday to Wednesday to vote. Uh, but yeah, so the next guest will be Joel Abraham from the Super J Cast. Um, you know, one of my goals with this is to have on a lot of different, a lot of other hosts on the Voice of Wrestling Network. And we've already done uh, Joe from the flagship. So now we're doing Joel from Super Jcast. We have uh, Liam from Wednesday War Games lined up already. And I've been, you know, I'm going to try to get probably someone from at least every show. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, so that's that's next week, me and Joel. Um, we'll see what matches we pick. And like I said, don't forget to tune in and vote for the poll. Uh, we have two Discord links in the profile or in the episode description, I mean. Um, you can also donate to Wrestle Omikaze, which we very much appreciate. Uh, that, that link is in the uh, description as well. And folks, thank you as always for listening. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>